You're listening to episode 56 of the Take the Reins podcast with Nikki Porter. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. You're listening to Take the Reins, a weekly personal growth podcast for horse owners. If you're invested in becoming the best version of yourself in all your relationships, both human and equine, this is the spot for you. Through our conversations, you will learn how to become a stronger communicator, leader, and deepen the connection you crave both in and out of the arena. Horses have an awful lot to teach us, yet very little of it actually has to do with horses. They reflect back to you who you are emotionally, physically, and energetically. They are a mirror to your soul, and it is time to take an honest look at who you are and who you want to become. I can't wait to connect with you, so here we go. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Take the Reins podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Porter, and I am thrilled to bring you a fantastic episode today. And I say that because when I heard that I was going to be able to interview this particular person, I was I was just, I felt like it was so aligned, and I really sincerely hope that the conversation is as enlightening for you as it was for me. This conversation, I felt like I may have even said it at the inter- at, at the end of the interview where I just say like I feel like this whole entire podcast and the journey that I've been on has been leading up to a conversation like this on this interview and honestly it's funny because I came across this certain individual who I'll be speaking with through listening to a book on manifestation and at the same time everything that we spoke about is all in line with what I've been learning about and I want to learn more about and what I teach about. It's just incredible and I I just it gives me goosebumps even thinking back on it. And so I just can't wait for you to be able to dive in with me uh, into this conversation. And so I'm going to just go right into it. I'm not going to give you a briefing on anything that's going on in my life right now because I just want you to hear the amazing insight and words from my new friend, Louise Malstrom. I'm going to take a second just to let you know exactly how I met Louise, how I came upon having an opportunity to interview her. So I was listening to a book that I heard about when I was listening to a podcast, actually, and an author to the book or of the book, The Source, was speaking about the book and what she teaches. Her name is Tara Swart. And I was just enamored by what she was teaching. It was so good and it was coming to me at a perfect time. So I'm listening to this interview and it's just, it's setting off so many, um, so many alarms for me in a good 
good way. And when I'm about halfway through this, uh, the book that I immediately bought on audio, uh, after I listened to Tara, um, complete this interview. So I go, I buy the audio book and I'm about halfway through and I, on Instagram, tagged Dr. Tara Swart in a post of mine or a story of mine. And she wrote back to me and, and just like sent me a little love my way and kind of said, thanks for sharing. And I immediately asked her if this was something she'd be willing to discuss on my podcast, if her work would be something she would be willing to discuss and let her know that it was a personal growth podcast for horse owners. And she was like, wait a second, I am not the person you want to speak to. I have the perfect person for you. And Louise works for Tara and she is within the horse world. And it was just magical. I got chills as soon as I got the message back from her because I could tell that it was aligned perfectly. And okay, that's the story. So that's how I met her. And I fell even more in love with everything that Dr. Tara Swart has been teaching and also fell in love with how Louise was able to connect all of the dots between what Dr. Tara Swart teaches and the horse world. Okay, we're getting into it. Here we go. This is the interview with Louise. Hello and welcome to Take the Reins. Thank you so much for joining me today. On my episode, we are speaking to Louise Malmstrom. And Louise, I am just, from the second I knew that you were coming on the show, I was so excited. I can't wait for this conversation. I can't wait to have it myself, selfishly, and I can't wait (laughs) for everyone else to hear it. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I have to say the feeling's mutual. When I got an email to say that I could talk about neuroscience and horses, I was really happy about that. They're two of my biggest passions. So I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. I'm telling you guys right now that what we're diving into, if you are in the space of, I want to become a better person, understand myself better, and I want my horse to benefit... Uh, this is the conversation you're going going to want to hear. So I would love if you could just start by telling us where you're from, who you are, where you're from. And uh, if we're looking at horses and neuroscience, how have you been able to blend those two things? That's a great question. Um, I'd say it's been quite a complicated path. <laughs> at the moment, I am the COO at Taurus Swart. Um, and Tara Swart is the lady who wrote The Source, which we'll be talking about today. And I've been working with her for about five years. And um, I also run my own company called EQ Equine, which is equine assisted psychotherapy. So how did I get here? I've always loved horses. My mother loved horses. Um, she rode from a young age and that's all I really wanted to do as well. So when she was Well, when I was five, uh, she bought a five-year-old horse called Hartley. And uh, my husband knows this. He was the absolute love of my life. Mm. So we grew up together. We were the same age. And he made it all the way to 33. Um, And I I I think I took a little bit for granted the connection that we had. I mean, he looked after me and we had a lot of fun. And you know that I've had someone say to me once, you know, I know know my horse is 
body better than my husband's. It was that thing of, you know, I could feel when things were wrong with him. You know, I just had to give him a, a hug and I'd be like, mm, something's not quite right. Mm -hmm. and, and we had this connection, which I thought was, you know, what everyone has with their horse, but clearly it's not. Um, <laughs> When I couldn't ride him anymore, I was lucky enough to meet um, a lovely lady called Kiva Fox, who's a, a dressage rider, and she had a horse that I was able to um, have on, on kind of loan share, and he was called Splash. Uh, and that was, I mean, he, as far as relationships go, he was like the hot guy. He was beautiful, <laughs> and I mean, his extended trot was like sitting on a rocket. It was amazing. And I learned so much from him and, and from Kiva who, who was teaching me to ride on him, but we were not a perfect match. And um, yeah, it did, it, he kind of ended up depositing me on the kind of sandy floor of an arena one day. And, and that was that. And we'd been through quite a lot at that point. So we, mm -hmm. we went our separate ways and through him, I learned an awful lot. Mm -hmm. um, whilst I, I had him on loan, I decided to do the equine therapy training. And it actually, it started to make me really think about how I approached the horse, because he was a horse that if you went into the stable really stressed, he would run around me. I couldn't even put a head collar on him. Mm -hmm. So I would start to really calm my breathing and be like, okay, think calm thoughts, think happy thoughts, calm down as I walked into the into the stables and then actually that process started happening earlier and earlier as I came into the yard as I was driving towards the yard as you know the day before I went to see him um and it made me realize what an enormous impact my own emotional state had on him mm -hmm. um we can talk a bit about that later yeah absolutely a few, a, a few thoughts on that um so that is a at the moment, I don't have a horse, unfortunately, but I've got the pleasure of working with a beautiful herd of horses doing equine assisted therapy, mainly with addicts at the moment. Okay. So the neuroscience route, I did uh, psychology, specializing in neuroscience at university. Um, and then I decided I wanted to go and have some fun with my friends in London. And, you know, I'd had enough of psychology for a moment mm -hmm. and decided to, to go and work in finance in the corporate a sector and ended up staying there for about 10 years um, and in that time I did a, a degree in investing in finance and oh. I wrote a dissertation on behavioral finance so there's a common thread in all this for looking at decision making behavior which is also linked to addiction so yeah. it does make sense mm -hmm. going backwards <laughs> I wish I'd done a vision board before I started it all but we'll you know <laughs> Yeah, so I worked in this industry for, 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 for a long time, looking at decision-making behavior in traders. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was it was actually the bit that couldn't be captured in a nice, neat equation that I was interested in, that kind of daily change, the, you know, how well are you sleeping? What are you eating? You know, all, the, all these things that we can do to help us think more clearly that from my neuroscience background, I knew you know, we could tweak and tweak easily, but you know, there was, from what I could see, they were partying all night and mainlining coffee and, and that's not the way to think clearly. And I came across Tara and 
you know, she was saying these things. Like I work with people individually. I help them find ways of sustaining peak performance mentally for a long period of time. Um, and and our, our friendship and work was was kind of solidified there. And I've been working working for Tara the last five years. That's amazing. And I feel like, you know, hearing about Tara and then hearing your story, I feel like I can see why you connected because you both have stories where your passions and what you have chosen, your different paths that you have chosen to do, they look like they should be separate, but they mm-hmm. have these amazing threads that weave between them that ha- just connect. And that's that's what I find so amazing about working with horses is that you can, whether it's um, creating connections or whether it's your riding or whether it, whatever you're focusing on, you can have that, that thread weave through every element of your life and yeah. you can see how you can have that passion for horses weave everywhere. And uh, so I, when I was listening to Tara's story, I resonated in that. And then I love listening to your story because it actually reminds me of Tara's story, which is great. <laughs> That's really nice to hear actually. But um, yeah, and, and just being able to pivot and do something completely different from time to time. Um, but still retain that thread, even if it really only makes sense going backwards for me. Right. Yeah. Kind of works. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that that we we want to talk about today about doing um, kind of vision boards and visualizing and things like that, I've become a lot more active in kind of proactively choosing my future, proactively choosing what I want the next year to look like, rather than slightly more haphazardly going, well, this this fits, and and I'm interested in this. Let's let's put them together. of of being a little bit more cognizant of of where I'm going. Wonderful. So with that being said, I'm going to just tell the little story of how I ended up meeting you in order to do, and I say meeting, virtually meeting you (laughs) in order to do this interview, because it's, it's quite interesting because when you start to open yourself up to learning new things. It's like those things start to just piling, pile into your lap and you're like, Oh, I, I, I guess I know where all these resources are. So I actually came across a podcast interview with Tara. And as I was listening to this, uh, this podcast episode, I was like messaging it off to a couple friends that I was like, they're going to, they're going to love this. I loved it. It was fantastic. And then I sent an, a message to Tara and just, Oh, I think I had tagged her on Instagram and then she had replied to it. And I, I mm-hmm. said, uh, would you ever be on the show? And then she said that she knew you and that you would be perfect to be on. And it was, it was divine timing, really, in the sense that it's what I'm studying myself on my own time and what I'm looking to teach in the future. And uh, so I'm so grateful to have you here to speak about not only what you do, which I'm so excited for you to be able to talk more about your business, EQ Equine, and make sure before we finish this interview that you let us know how to find more about that, um, where to find you online, but also to dive a little deeper into the source um, written by Tara and how a book like that can be picked up by an equestrian Mm -hmm. and really made to help them in their horsemanship as well as their life. Because I feel like if you're like, I'm just going to look for a book for my 
growth in different ways, you're probably not going to go towards a book like The Source if you're thinking only horses. But yeah. if you're trying to really blend your two worlds, this, I find this book, every time I was, I was, you know, listening to a new chapter, I was like, yes, mm. this is perfect. So yeah. I, I just, uh, I think it, it works so well together. I, I agree. I think you can apply an awful lot of it. I mean, you could basically teach a course based on the source for, for horsemanship. 100%. You could, you, you could do the exercises and just have them focus on what you need from your horse and, your equine career or yeah. whatever it is you're looking for um so that's that's you know definitely on the same page at that and and there's there's things in there i think um a lot of, of horse owners or people who work with horses will do naturally anyway and they'll go oh you know doesn't everyone do that it's like right no no, no. most of us have to learn those skills <laughs> but they might not have thought to then um generalize it to working you know in their relationships with people Absolutely. You know, yeah, because often the teacher, the horses teach us the things that other people yeah. that don't have the privilege of working with horses don't necessarily get. And then we don't necessarily transfer that to the rest of our lives. Well, this is the thing. It's, it's always very surprising um, when I do work with people who have their own horses that they are really good at caring for their horse and looking for things that might be making them reactive or different for the day. And potentially adjusting their their own expectations and behavior accordingly but they don't treat themselves or other people in their lives in the same way mm -hmm. isn't that interesting mm. yeah oh. and, and I'll say that part of the, the equine therapy that that I do is mm -hmm. a lot of it is you'll see someone behave in a certain way with a horse and, and you come back for a reflection and you go is that something that you find happens a lot in in your life with other with other people with new relationships or you know mm -hmm. existing ones and they'll be like oh yeah yeah it is and and mm -hmm. it's a real feedback mechanism that mm -hmm. bypasses a lot of people mm -hmm. um if it's not pointed out really really clearly yeah 100 it's funny because i distinctly remember a conversation with a client slash friend, she was doing lessons with me and her husband was doing a lesson directly after with, so they had their two horses there and uh, we were working through something and both of them, you could see them kind of like going back and forth as if to say like, whatever I was saying was happening with the horse, that is how they're showing up within their marriage as well. Uh, and it was funny because their light bulbs were going off because they're really inseparable. Um, and I like to say like how we show up in one place is how we show up everywhere. Yes. And, and yeah. I heard that from someone clearly that's not just from me, but it's, it's very true, especially when we dive a little deeper into our horsemanship. And I think with horses being, you know, so attuned mm -hmm. to what we're really saying, mm -hmm. you know, there's such instant feedback. I mean, if, if you take nothing else from a session with a horse, it's that they can be just a biofeedback machine that works like yeah. like that like instantly. which makes them the ultimate teacher an ultimate therapist for me yeah yeah i agree okay so yeah. why don't you give a brief description of what is the source what are we even speaking about here because <laughs> um i actually i was quite interested to hear the title of the book and then to discover what the source actually was referring to in the book yeah so, so the source is actually just using your brain to its maximum capacity. Yeah. 
it's it's using it in everyday life. Um, so the work that Tara has done previously has been quite corporate in, in the work environment, and she wanted to to look at you know more everyday more everyday use, so mm -hmm. to speak. And it centered around the neuroscience of manifestation. So if you read The Secret, that was extremely popular, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, it spoke a lot about manifestation, it became very popular. And now this is the neuroscience behind it. Now that we've got neuroimaging and, and more research into the brain, you can see that actually there is science behind how we can wish our way, if you want mm -hmm. to say it that way, to what we want. Mm -hmm. you know think our way towards it but it also gives an awful lot of pragmatic advice and exercises that you can do instantly you know they're not difficult um so that will start to rewire your brain in order to get what it is that you want i really found it empowering to read because i i like to know that there's this science and you know the belief is very important but the science is, it's nice to be able to say, okay, you know, this seems to be working my life, but why is this happening the way that it is? Yeah. So that was empowering to be able to read that. But at the same time, it's written in such a way that it's simplified. Like the idea of using your brain in order to then live in a more, live in a, like, and we had just had this conversation, live with this, with more intention, like you're, you have more, mm -hmm. you're living, I, I lost the word. That, that's, that's me. Don't worry. I, <laughs> I, I get tongue tied and I've just given that gift to you. <laughs> oh, oh, deliberately. There's my word. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so really living more deliberately so that, yes. that we're not just running on autopilot anymore. We're mm -hmm. not saying, oh, this is just me. And one line that Tara said in the book was that somebody had said, you know, that is just who I am. And she said, that's really not an excuse anymore no. for how we live our lives. And I think knowing the why is like you just said, is so important. Now that we can explain these things, mm -hmm. um, it's so much easier to accept it. And once you know the why, you're more motivated to make the change and if one thing's not working there's usually a reason and then we can look at it from a different angle um it reminds me a little bit of, of you know some of the corporate situations we've been in 10 years ago you could not go into a corporate office and say you know you need to do mindfulness right and now you know everyone's open to it because we understand why and how it works and i think that's the strength of the source it's mm -hmm. as you said it's written in quite a simple way it's very pragmatic mm -hmm. but it really explains why these things will happen um and and while it does touch on the spiritual it's not mystical there's there's no, no magic formula to it it is the science that makes it happen i think the shift you just spoke about in the corporate world is happening in the horse world as well where yeah. you know even 20 years ago if somebody had have said Oh well, if you're if you become more mindful as a person, it will change the experience with your horse. Top trainers were not having those conversations, as far as yeah. I was aware of. Um, but what I'm seeing is there is a shift that people are starting to see this this undeniable connection between how we're showing up as people in the world and how our horses are responding to us on the end of our lead rope, um, or in the show pen, or 
whatever that might look like. Well, I'm going to jump right on that because we said a little bit about maybe looking um, a little bit at awareness and knowing ourselves, like you said, that introspection piece. So I'm going to start with that now uh, because you've introduced it so well in the fact that what we bring to the to the yard to the stable to the arena is exactly what our horse is going to be reacting to and I don't know about you I'm hoping we're we're the kind of last generation who have been taught to you know leave your emotions at the door you know you you come into the stables and and you know you don't bring it with you but you do and even if intellectually you're you've checked out you know your body is still screaming that message at you. So you're listening, but of course the horse hears it as well. You know, they don't say, they don't care what's coming out of your lips. They can't, they can't understand language, but what they can understand is what your body is saying. So what we find in therapy is if people turn up and they are incongruent, they're not aligned and their head and their heart and their gut are all over the place. The horses tend to move away from them. Sometimes at speed. I saw that actually last week we we had someone walk very purposefully towards a horse who's usually very docile and she was she was out of there she wasn't having a bar of it yeah it's like you're not in one you're 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 all over the place I I don't want to deal with that and and you know we we could discuss that because it was quite obvious well it's really it's so interesting that that's where you decided to take this conversation because Mm. when I was listening I went from listening to and I, I say listening because I was listening through the audio book and I will buy the book and then write all over it. But when I was listening, I put it on pause, ran out to the arena to my husband. And I said, so often we tell people that they need to have no emotion when they put pressure on their horse. It's not that we need to teach people to have no emotion in their pressure. It's for them to learn how to navigate what that emotion feels like in their body, how that they, how they can control the emotion, not have the emotion control them and show up for their horses that way. So I like that just, it gives me chills thinking about it because that's where we need to take what we're, what we're learning. Absolutely. And if we take this from a, from a neuroscientific perspective, you know, it is, I think a lot of us have probably had a fearful experience with horses. You know, you can't get to a certain age and not have, have had that, I think. Mm and there's a small part and at the moment a quite a large part of my brain that when I sit on a new horse it's very much in fear mode you know my my amygdala are pinging they yeah they are going this could be a threat this horse could buck or rear or take off or whatever or it does a little reaction that I'm not used to or that I've felt with another horse where they mm-hmm consequently done something that was harmful to me mm-hmm. and of course my head is saying it but I'm sat on a horse and my entire body is telling that horse I'm afraid and the horse is going what are we afraid of mm-hmm. you know that's that's the way they stay safe if, if you're afraid they're going to be afraid because there's clearly something to be afraid of mm-hmm. and that is such a negative feedback loop that I've experienced myself and I've seen it in clients many times yeah. so with what we were saying about introspection about understanding what's going on in your own body as well as your own mind is absolutely key to having a good relationship when you're on the horse as well as on the ground Mm -hmm. because if you are coming from a negative place of of fear or even for some people they might feel guilty or shameful because 
you know they feel like they should be riding their horse that day and it's Mm -hmm. you know it's just not the weather for it or they're not in the headspace for it or whatever it is you know if you're getting on that horse and and you are your parasympathetic nervous system isn't on you're you're really in fight or flight mode you're going to set the horse into that mode as well yeah so It's really interesting because the first thing I learned when I was doing equine assisted therapy training, and the first thing we do in every single session is a full body scan. And that's something that is written about in the source. Yeah. So these are quite easy to come by. You can kind of Google them. I quite like the Headspace one. I think that's quite a good one. And the idea is that you, you know, you, you think about your body, you run through it from top to bottom, you know, I usually go, I do it with clients as well. I talk them through it. You know, you think about how you're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, as you run through the body. Are you noticing perhaps you're stiff somewhere as you run your mind past your left shoulder? You hadn't noticed that before. Are you, have you got butterflies about something in your stomach? You know, just noticing it. And it's not about relaxing. It's actually about noticing what's going on for you in your body and being aware of it. Um, So I do it daily. I do it before I go into meetings as well. Um, Because one, it's raising your awareness, but secondly, it's also giving you a really good vibe of what's actually mine today. Because if you're working with any other people, any other horses, you're gonna be met with what's theirs as well. So the second thing we do in equine therapy, you then body scan the horse. So you stand close enough to feel comfortable to the horse and you run a body scan and see if you feel anything different. Is there anything new coming up for you? Is there a different ache or pain or feeling or vibe that you're getting that you didn't get when you were doing a solo body scan? And when I was doing my training, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded, but a little bit skeptical from time to time, having had a, a kind of science background mm-hmm. and, you know, it was fine. And I, I went ahead with it and I came home to do my six months of practice with some horses. And I remember this horse that I didn't know very well. And I did my body scan and the owner was right there and I hadn't really heard a lot about the horse. And I said, Oh, my stomach really hurts. And she goes, Oh, that horse has got terrible ulcers. So for me, that was a real aha moment that we can pick up on what's going on. So it's um, interesting you say that because I ha- I was working with a horse last week where I, like he's on ulcer medication and I was working with him and I said to my husband, I was like, I, if you, I work with my husband in the barn, so he's like my go-to bounce things Mm -hmm. back and forth. But I said to him, I like, I had heartburn the whole time I was working with that horse. And I said, like, I don't even get heartburn. The only time I got heartburn was when I was pregnant and I had heartburn the whole time I was working with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there might be something going on for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And hence you do the body scan on yourself first. Yeah to see what's going on for you. So it's not confusing things. Yeah. Uh, but I find it's a really useful way if I'm going, as I said, in a meeting or going to see a horse or going to go ride to just start to get a feel for where I'm at for the day, because I think that should really guide us in our behavior towards the horse or towards other people. You know, you're not going to body scan someone else in a, in a big meeting. Right. <laughs> but if you start, if you start getting... Maybe 
I mean, I've been in a situation where you walk into a room and you start a conversation with someone and you start to feel really irritated or angry. And I didn't feel that way before. And that's not my stuff. You know, that's theirs. And once we understand that, that boundary comes into play, it's so much easier to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's- that, and that is the start of interoception, really understanding where your body and your mind are. And it's, mm-hmm. as I said, the exercise isn't about relaxing or changing things. It's about really, really noticing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do, you become more of a honing device about mm-hmm. your own physical state. I can feel myself getting sick two mm-hmm. or three days before any symptoms show up. My body's just kind of humming away. Um, as a woman, kind of hormonal shifts are, become really, really clear as well. And, you know, with a lot of women, you know, can feel that or they know on in the diary when that's coming and you adjust your behavior accordingly or you you know adjust your plans accordingly and that daily shift should you should be that responsive when you're seeing your horse yeah I think if you if you can so that we go into um you know we, we go and see our horse with that awareness of where we are ourselves the more so, you do it, the more those neural networks will start to embed and it becomes really natural for us to understand where we are on any given day. It just really becomes an automated response. Why don't we just define the word interception for a second? Because I, it's just a new word into my vocabulary within the last couple months or so. And as soon as I heard it and it was defined, it made sense why I would be speaking about it and horses. So what Mm -hmm. exactly is interception? Okay, it's about feeling what's going on inside your body. It's the awareness of what's happening inside for you. So just as we are aware of what's going on outside, you know, there's a car starting or we, you know, see a light flashing it's about turning that vision inwards and understanding how, I suppose, what, what's going on in our own body, what feels normal for us, what feels abnormal, where are emotions sitting for us, um, and just understanding that, just being aware of it, being open to it. And understanding, is there an element to it, or I understand there might be an element to it of, of getting more in tune with, or in tune, sorry, with the signals that your body sends you. Yes. About certain things. So like an example of it would be when you feel thirsty, um, Mm -hmm. but also when you feel scared or anxious or any other signs that are coming up for you. Yes, absolutely. And with the body scan also, it allows us to be investigative about it and be curious about what the signals are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a moment today actually I was doing a, a stretch and yoga practice and often I mean I don't know if you found, found this you know you'll do a stretch or something and suddenly you'll feel very sad or mm-hmm. something will come up the body stores trauma even if they're just small traumas of the day um, or frustrations or anger and things like that and you know my whole childhood it was like you're upset you must be tired you're upset oh you must be hungry so rather than going oh I'm really tired that's why I'm feeling this way it's for me it's about stopping and going no no what's actually going on is there a kind of something physically wrong that I need to attend to have I stretched something too far have I you know caused damage or is it an emotion that's coming up where am I feeling it what's going on with that I want to explore it a little bit more fantastic 
So Mm. important for us to be that in tune with our own bodies when we're working with an animal that is so in tune with themselves (laughs) and their environment and the people that are handling them, the other animals around them, just it, they're so in tune and that's really what makes Mm -hmm. them such incredible teachers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you don't know it, they'll probably will tell you at some point if you're open-minded enough to, to be told by a horse. (laughs) That's what I usually find. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've spoken about interception and, you know, that awareness piece and our own self-awareness, our body and what, and how we can kind of tune into that. Can we switch to a word that people, they've probably heard a little bit more and that would be intuition. So we've, it's almost like intuition has become a little bit of a trendy word lately where people are like, oh, trust your intuition. But what does that actually mean for people beyond just, you know, reading a mug (laughs) and, (laughs) and how does that influence our work with our horses? Well, you know, our intuition, as far as our brain is concerned, is the amalgamation of our experiences, of our knowledge. Mm-hmm. So when your intuition or your gut instinct is telling you that something is wrong, it's all the memories that are stored are, are predicting the future. We've, our, our brain works in a predictive way that what makes us so intelligent, makes us able to be creative. So what it'll do is it'll take stored memories of past events and model a future, predict a future, does it very, very quickly. And then that is a gut instinct. So really it is based on our previous experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had a a moment probably about a month ago. As I said, I had a a bad relationship with that horse slash, unfortunately, well, it ended badly, we started well. Mm -hmm. And I went, I booked myself a lovely, day out with my mother we were going to go uh, on a trail ride out hacking we call it here and it was a hacking stable that I've used before they've got wonderful horses you know the kind where you can like gallop off in a different direction and they're like Meh, whatever you know they're not bothered yeah. and we got there and they put me on beautiful horse and it was quite big I quite like small ones with you know sturdy horses quite close to the ground these days <laughs> <laughs> And we got halfway down the road and it was 200 yards to the entrance to the park where we were going to go for a nice ride. And I said, no, I can't do it. And I got off and I handed the woman the reins. And it was gut instinct told me this is just not safe. There was no brakes. For me, for someone else, that might have been absolutely fine. But for me, so many alarm bells were ringing and it was based on previous experience. Mm-hmm. And with a horse, that's really, really important because you're telling them so clearly what you're thinking with your seat, with your energy, with your hands, with your tremors <laughs> that yeah. I had at the time. That is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at that moment. Yeah. You know, I, I believe that it is dangerous. It is going to become dangerous. So that gut instinct for me and it was quite upsetting. It was quite a big moment for me, but I was quite proud of myself for having really listen to my gut instinct and go on this is meant to be fun I'm not having fun this horse isn't for me I'm going to get off it we're not going to have a good time together mm-hmm. so you know if, if I'm going to pay to be scared for an hour they'll be at the dentist not a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah with with gut instinct but there is more to it as well you know we, we're starting to understand now that actually gut 
means gut it means looking after what's in your stomach because we have a lot of neurotransmitters there and they are what tell us how to feel essentially you know they're they're the things that tell us when we're sleepy when we're happy you know when we're motivated to do things you've got you know all those and they are all produced and exist in the stomach so what we put in our stomachs is really really important so the term gut instinct makes an awful lot of sense it's been around for a very very long time um and now we're starting to understand that you know it's it, it's a real thing and there's something we can do about it mm-hmm. um so for me if we're going to take it back to to working with horses well why does that matter well if you want your gut instinct to work properly and for it to be accurate when you're riding your horse and when you're around your horse you know looking after it with probiotics mm-hmm. and deep breathing mm-hmm. anything which which soothes it calms it eat the right food less sugar less caffeine less alcohol things like that Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have a very different experience on your horse on a day when you're feeling physically well, you've eaten well, you've slept well, than a day when you've, you've abused your stomach, you know, you're mm-hmm. maybe hungover, you've eaten too much, you know, boxing day, something like that. It'd be a really interesting experiment to do to yeah, see, yeah. you know, what people's experience is of their intuition of their experience with their horse, mm-hmm. depending on, on, you know, how, if they've got a very, very diet on, on two days. So when it comes to intuition, it's that combination of of previous knowledge and understanding that, interception, understanding what is coming up for you, Mm -hmm. and also gut health, looking after your gut. The combination of the three. And with the body scan, with the interception that we were talking about, starting to practice and build the neural pathways that really understand that. Okay, so I have a question. mm -hmm. So... How can someone, let's say that someone has had an injury in the past and Mm -hmm. they're having a hard time working through it, how can they judge whether it's their instinct coming up and telling them this is an unsafe situation and actual like trauma, anxiety, or fear controlling how they feel about the situation? So like... I've seen people who are, are so fearful that swinging a leg over a horse that is safe, although I understand your, your like self-fulfilling prophecy there, but they're swinging yeah. a leg over a horse that is safe and they have the support that's needed. How can they work through that feeling like, is this my, my intuition speaking to me right now? Or is this something I need to... Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would say that there's kind of a two, two-pronged approach. So the first one, um, there's an exercise in the source that you can do, and it's, it's looking at how you're reacting to a situation. And what you want to do is, before you even go near a horse, you can actually just use your imagination, because the brain doesn't massively differentiate between visualizing something and, mm-hmm. um, and it actually happening. And what I would do, you draw a a, a cross and in each little square, you have the words physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So what you're looking is for your reaction in each of those spheres. And if you sit down, take some time and really imagine, perhaps, I'm trying to think, as you said, not the traumatic experience itself, but that fearful moment of swinging 
your your leg over over a, a safe and calm horse and really question how you're reacting to it. what is your physical feeling when you're imagining that mm-hmm. you know there'll be butterflies heart rate all that kind of stuff mentally what are you thinking and really explore those four spheres emotionally what's going on what emotion is coming up for you and then spiritually is that is there a connection to any of this you know what, what is the kind of greater force in it all and just in the safety of your own home on the sofa mm-hmm. imagine it experience it that way and explore it as much as you can okay so once you've done that do the flip side and imagine the best experience you ever had on a horse mm-hmm. or imagine that experience being exactly what you want it to be mm-hmm. so for me let's say we take that experience of riding out on that trail ride if I was going to imagine it it would be on a on a really lovely rustic little pony that you know all four feet on the ground and and good Mm -hmm. breaks (laughs) and and relive that in your head or live it you know imagine it really really vividly and do the same exercise again of what emotions am I feeling when this is happening? What, what am I physically feeling, imagining? What is the mental side of what's going on for me? What's the spiritual side? What, what is happening when there's a positive experience going on? Mm-hmm. And that one you can practice. You could do that one a couple of times beforehand. So you are really preparing your brain. You are starting to connect the the neurons that are going to create a positive experience for you so that when you actually do get on that horse you've already done it 20 times in your mind and you've already done it 20 times going well Mm -hmm. okay I think this is a perfect place for us to lead into visualization because we both want Mm. to see that anyway and Uh, this it's this is a brilliant exercise guys so if you are any situation you're looking to work through in your life this this exercise i do believe works um it's just if we can look at visualization and why it works it'll make more sense but it is it's a fantastic exercise so let's dive a little yeah. deeper into you know why visualization how does this actually work for people and why would i want to use it with my horsemanship yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I just touched on it briefly there that the brain yeah. doesn't really distinguish massively between us visualizing or imagining something and us actually doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you were saying you find it quite hard to visualize, but for some people, it's extremely vivid. Mm-hmm. And the more vivid you can make it, um, the more helpful it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And what what it does is it gears the brain towards noticing the things that you want. So if you're visualizing the things that you want to happen, if you're visualizing uh, that wonderful ride on that horse, you will start to notice the things that are positive more often because those pathways, as I said in the, in the previous example, are, are already starting to wire before you've even experienced it in real life. Mm-hmm. So and that goes both really ways, powerful. right? <laughs> so, so I think negative... people need to understand that you know yeah, the, so... <laughs> the always training our horses no matter what whether we're training for them for the good or we're training them for the bad we are rewiring our brain for the good or for not necessarily what we're looking for yeah and I mean what's what I find really interesting is 
this is something that humans have understood about horses for a, a kind of long time that you know you put them through some good experiences and they'll turn out good horses you put them through a bad experience and you know you're gonna have a difficult horse for the rest of your life especially if they're if they're young when they have it and it it blows my mind that that's something that humans have known about horses for like a thousand years but only in the last 150 have we decided that you know humans are affected by bad experiences anyway slight tangent um (laughs) but yes the bad like i said an example if you visualize that that bad experience happening the the bad event your horse not loading onto the trailer that can be really really stressful if that is all you're thinking Mm -hmm. you're looking out for signals because that's what your brain is is focusing on. It's focusing on the signals that something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're essentially then signaling that to your horse. Mm-hmm. So it's so Whereas interesting it- because I have had people come to clinics and, and spoken to them and they'll say, oh my gosh, I didn't sleep all night last night just mm. thinking about my horse possibly not getting on the trailer. Yeah. And, don't Don't think like that. <laughs> Exactly. So you've already wired your brain to look for every single cue that that horse is not going to get on the trailer. Mm -hmm. Um, The chances are it's really not going to. Yeah. And, and, and that's really, really powerful. And then someone else takes your horse and walks it straight onto the trailer because they've got no expectations of what's going to happen. Right. They haven't already got it set in their mind. And I mean, that's such a small example. I'm sure we've all been there or whether it's refusing a jump or or whatever it is or walking past the plastic bag or or whatever. Um, But, you know, really, if you generalize that experience and that knowledge to real life, it happens to to all of us that we have these preconceived ideas. And often the worry of an event is so much more than than the actual event that... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, those, those, those worries manifest and it makes things an awful lot worse. Whereas actually, if you, if you are aware of that, you are doing that, raising that awareness of that, I have got the negative thoughts, I am focusing on the negative. You can stop that and replace the negative with a positive. See if you can change that to envision and go, okay, I know I'm really dreading putting this horse on this trainer. I'm going to sit here and purposefully envision mm. my horse going on a trailer. Watch videos of horses going on trailers. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got a video of your own horse, even better. Mm-hmm. But be so positive and secure in the knowledge that it's going to happen, that mm-hmm. it does. Mm-hmm. And, and you, know, you look for the things that indicate that it's coming true. Yes. So, rather that, than so, that it's not. Right. So... You know, manifestation, it's like, it's another one of the words that we're hearing more about. Yeah. And so could you just explain to us in less of a spiritual sense, because I feel like manifestation and spirituality tend to go hand in hand and oftentimes manifestation gets kind of set to the side. If someone's like, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in the the woo-woo side of things. How do we make it less woo-woo so that we can (laughs) understand, you know, the science behind it and how it impacts us and it does impact us. So how can we understand how it impacts us on a daily basis, um, whether that be with our horses or not? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is what we discussed already. Yeah. But um, it is that thing of gearing the brain towards the positive 
again turning off the fear centers the, the negative emotion centers mm-hmm. so in manifestation we we are we're positively focusing and concentrating on what we want to happen and because we're focusing on that we are not focusing on the things we don't want to happen so that's really important yes yeah so we we basically we're looking for confirmation bias with that that's the way our brain works so confirmation bias is if we believe something we will continue to see things that will confirm that information i believe in aliens i will see a lot of articles come up for me that are about confirming that mm-hmm. thought my brain will kind of automatically filter out the things that don't agree with that view and that's the way manifestation works as well if we are focused on the positive if your brain is geared towards looking at the positive at looking at the thing you want so the 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 action board that the source describes where you put physical pictures of the things you want on a board and you look at it every single day you know really focus on it your brain will start to see things that confirm that that confirm that it's happening and that really starts to build up so it is just a question of your neurons your brain your eyes looking for the things that confirm what you already know we love things that are familiar to us so make the things that you want to happen be familiar mm-hmm. so really that oh 100% i'm yeah. i am in love with our conversation <laughs> so <laughs> if if we think about it, so let's say we have a horse at home that we struggle with and we've added a yeah. couple nasty labels to them where we're like, well, they're lazy. Well, they have an attitude. Well, they're this or that. So one thing that we could do in order to change how we approach that animal and how our relationship develops would be if you could, whether it was with... Um, pictures or mm-hmm. with words, if you could sit down outside of your time with that horse and really focus on the things that you want within that relationship with them. So my horse is so soft and my horse is, let's say, is well connected to me and we have this sort of relationship. So looking at the the larger picture of what is that perfect relationship between you and that particular horse, what does that look like? Yeah. I th- there's a lot going on in my head when you're saying okay. this because there's it. so many different okay. things because I say manifestation that we've just spoken about is very much about you as a person you and your brain how you can take control of the thoughts and the behaviors that lead from those thoughts you add a horse into the mix you have a relationship you have another sentient being with their own needs and their own brain which complicates it but makes it much more beautiful yeah i think um i i think in that moment of manifestation i think there needs to be two exercises in my book one is just for you what do you want from your relationship with horses in your life Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you in a perfect situation and then you've got to look at the reality of are are the horses that i have is that going to get me to where i want to be And then you can start that discussion of, well, do I maybe change a little bit what I want from my life with horses to fit the horses? Is that going to work for me? Is that something that I can see as really positive and a life for me? Is the relationship with the horse more important than 
this imagined perfect perfect life mm-hmm. or do I need to think about maybe I need a different horse mm-hmm. so that's quite a tough one that is a tough because one you've but it's a really, gotta really understand yourself first because sometimes we do get the wrong horse and it's not going to get us to where we want to be and that causes a lot of frustration that you know when we're in denial of why mm-hmm. we're frustrated the horse is on the receiving end of that frustration and that is not fair. So when, when you've bought a horse and these are your expectations, whether that's conscious or unconscious, unconscious or unconscious, and then your horse is this type of horse and Mm. you've spent the money and you've made the time commitments and you've done the things, maybe you have a little shame, you know, tied up in there. You made the wrong choice. But then when you go to work with them, you work with them from that place of, oh, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And the horse is going to receive negative pressure, physical, mental, emotional from that situation. So I think it's a great conversation for us mm-hmm. to be having that it's a it's real talk with horse yeah. with horses because fair and responsible leadership is that we actually understand what we bring to them. Okay, go for it. I can see you're like, (laughs) no, it's just one word really like stuck out for me. And that's denial. And I said to you, I work a lot with with addiction. And, you know, we do get a lot of people through who have denial. That's the one thing the horses really struggle with. And I think if we're in that situation with the horse, we're in denial about what we want from it, how we want it to look. That's going to, you know, that is really going to create a lot of problems for the horse. They don't work well with denial. You are not congruent when you're in denial because your head is saying one thing, mm-hmm. your heart is wanting something else, and your gut is probably right about what's going on. Right. So, so that denial piece is really, really interesting when it comes to horses. Mm-hmm. I've I've come across a lot of people at the lovely yards that I've been at who have I've stabled my horse quite close to London for a while and there were some very beautiful very expensive flashy looking horses that no one would ride because they bought them to fulfill some sort of Mm -hmm. ego I suppose or or dream or wish fulfillment and then to take them out once or twice a week Mm -hmm. round open spaces big open fields and have a nice gallop and if you're buying a hybrid warm blood you can't just turn up on a Saturday and go, well, we're going off for a nice canter. (laughs) Your horse is going back, no way. And, you know, 60 bucks later and a broken collarbone, they don't get on the horse again. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's definitely denial of the reality of what you need versus what you want. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice be then to help someone get through the guilt? Because I hear a lot of people who they'll buy a horse And then there's this guilt about having bought the wrong horse or having to find a new home for this horse. And there, this story gets created that really stops them from being able to not be in that place of denial because they're just, they're, they're holding on to so much. Well, I think, um, again, we can, we can reach into the source. Journaling is so important. I think being inquisitive about that guilt. So first of all, being aware of it. I mean, like, I, you know, I really can't get rid of this. You know, we, we, we sold the car and got a crappy little car to buy the horse and blah, blah, blah. And, and explore why you're feeling guilty genuinely and maybe discuss it. If there's other people involved, if you've got a husband or a partner where 
you know, you've both made sacrifices for this to happen. Once you've explored your own feelings around it, explore it with them because, you know, if it's financial, for example, you're just digging yourself into a deeper hole with no pleasure to go with it if you have a horse that isn't fulfilling your needs or if it's something that you feel you can work on, ask for help. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one thing that we see a lot in equine therapy. You know, you've got people who have no horse expertise. We ask them to do something. It is a, an asking for help exercise. And people are like, no, they're not going to ask the person who actually knows what they're doing. And, and mm-hmm. if, if you ask a trainer or someone who perhaps knew the horse before or who knows you very well, that can help as well. Because if you work through the issues, see if you can get to a better place with the horse and you still can't, and someone else can reflect that back to you, mm-hmm. then you can start moving forwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So good. This conversation is just exactly what I feel like I've been leading into, um, mm-hmm. where I'm like, I need to make these connections for people. And <laughs> this, is, this is just great. I love it. Um, I, I think that that's a really interesting one. I think that's a really big one for a lot of people with horses that they, you know, there's, there's a disconnect mm-hmm. in the joy they want to feel and, and what they can actually achieve. Oh, Yes. And what it looks like. Yes. Um, and I think being realistic about that, using, you know, all the things in the source, it's really asking you to be really realistic about what you want, what you need mm-hmm. and how to get it. Apply that to what's going on in your life with your horse, because for a lot of us, it's a really expensive way to be happy for mm-hmm. a couple of hours a day. Yeah. And if it's not providing that, something's got to change. Yeah. I asked a question, I think it was last year just on social media. And I said, like, why do you, why do you have your horses? What is your why? And a lot of people answered with, you know, it's my place where I can go be myself. It's the place where I can let go of all the stress of life. It's the place where, you know, my mind quiets down. And then I asked, uh, what is your biggest struggle with your horse? And a lot of them were the same, Uh, only turn on their head where I have a really difficult time just showing up and being present. And see, I feel guilty because they, they're causing me stress and anxiety because I'm scared. And there are all these different emotions and they're the very things that are the opposite of why they feel like they have the horse. Yeah. So it's, and I think that that alone, those, those emotions where, you know, your why you're like, this is, it's going to be magical. Like this is, this is where I can be myself. And then you go there and you don't feel yourself. You feel stressed or you feel like they're adding pressure instead of taking it away. I think a lot of people bring that as a reflection of themselves and they internalize that instead of, like you said, looking at it very realistically and saying, Mm -hmm. is this the right horse for me? Do I have the right amount of support that I need? Do I have the right amount of education? Am I, am I having a hard time navigating my emotions outside? What am I bringing to my own horse? Like so many great pieces of information. (laughs) (laughs) And and I, I do think, you know, the source or, or, you know, any really kind of self-help book that speaks to you, you know, you can apply it. Um, You know, coaching books or whatever, if whatever it is, that's going to, allow you to look at your situation realistically and then move forwards towards the situation you really want to be in Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that, I mean, for me, that's been actually taking a step back from riding and just enjoying horses from the ground for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and taking away that expectation of having a wonderful ride out, you know, just on the spur of the moment. It's really lovely. You know, I can I can turn up at the yard and relax and just groom them and enjoy my time with them and work with them in a therapeutic sense um, mm-hmm. instead of having a huge amount of expectations on, on what it's meant to feel like to be out riding. Mm-hmm. There's an element of knowing you're worthy in this work too, I feel. Yeah. Like that belief that you are worthy of having, achieving, Mm-hmm. feeling all of the things that you want in life yeah is that a struggle I think that's I think that's part of manifestation as well I think it's just just a thought that occurred to me that it is probably a, a, a huge roadblock for a lot of people in I don't deserve the things on my action board mm-hmm. but the more you look at that action board the more your brain is going to believe that that's just part of your life oh, yes we do <laughs> yeah you know you see yeah. it it becomes familiar mm-hmm you know, you see, you know, a, a vision of, for me, it's actually a really, I've got a really cute pony on my vision board. I'm, I'm horse shopping. <laughs> and, you know, when I look at ads of the, those horses, it, it is, you know, I'll ignore all the big flashy ones. And, and, you know, because in my mind's eye now, my brain is wired to look for that thing that I know is what I need to fulfill my happiness quotient when it comes to horses and what that looks like but it took a long time for me to be okay with you know that shape of horse and and, Mm -hmm. you know that it that it's not going to be that big flashy one that everyone admires right but it's exactly what you feel is going to lead you to feel fulfilled within your horsemanship journey so and I feel enough in myself that I don't need a horse that proves anything to anyone else as well but you know it's a journey it took a while to get here that's great I love that All right, Louise, um, we're going to have to just not talk all night because it's all day, all evening for me and it'd be all all night for you. All night for me. There's so much (laughs) more. I could go on for hours, but I shan't. Me too, me too. We haven't even touched on limbic resonance with horses. Oh my God. Okay. So why don't we'll chat on the other side of this and (laughs) I would love to have you back on because in this, I just feel like these, this is why I created take the reins podcast in all honesty. It's connections to make for people between their horsemanship and their humanship and, and how they can really have the relationship that they want and, and know that they're creating what they have. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's all brilliant. I love it. So we'll chat after this, but I would like before we go first, yep. if there's anything else that's like sitting there that you're saying, oh, I have to, I have to just bring this up before we go. And then before we go, I really want to make sure that people uh, have a sense of where they can find you online if they want to look into yep. the EQ equine and then the source as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think just circling back to the start of the body scan is such a simple place to start. Um, you know, there's there's an example of it in the source, or you can find. I like the mind headspace. That's okay. that's the one I do. You know, it's ten minutes of your day, um, and mindfulness is so beneficial to so many things in your life. It it actually it's been proven that it 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 grows. It increases the gyrification of, of the, the cortex. So it, it actually grows your brain, <laughs> in a, kind of. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's an important part of 
mm-hmm. well-being to do mindfulness and a body scan is part of that um test it out see if you like it and then test it out on your horse and see what your horse is trying to say to you it might take a couple of goes but it it really is worth it um so yeah me you can find me on eqequine.co.uk all right so eqequine.co.uk so unfortunately i'm not global i will not fly with the horses i am based in surrey (laughs) if anyone's interested um and the source and tara you can find information on her um taraswat.com all right and i'll put that uh those links in the show notes as well if anybody Mm -hmm. is interested and i do highly recommend diving into this book because it's i felt like when i was reading it i've i've gone into this sort of work for a long time and read a lot about manifestation and energy and all of these things. So none of it felt like I hadn't heard it before, but the way it was explained and put together and the way I was able to make the connections to the horses made it just like my ears perked up the whole time. It was just fantastic. So I I think that the exercises are are really important important because you can start to feel what it's meant to feel like Mm -hmm. and I feel that's a lot of what working with horses is it's they really show us what it's meant to feel like when it's right it's screamingly obvious your whole body will tell you the story the horses will as well and you know that that's such a wonderful gift to have from a horse that they will tell you exactly when it's right yeah. And to focus on that bit. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your time with well, us. Thank today. you for having me. It's been wonderful to talk about my two favorite things. Well, I love your two favorite things. <laughs> so, thank you so much. Thanks ever so much. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for choosing to spend your time with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review and share it with your friends. To learn more about me and what else I have on the go, skip on over to NikkiPorter.ca. Thanks again for listening. And we'll connect again next week. Until then, remember, you have the power to take the reins and live the life you've always wanted. You just have to step into the arena with an open heart and an open mind. 